Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. I'm Hugh Cole. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please tell your friends about us and leave us a rating. You can also subscribe to the podcast and have it delivered directly to your podcast app. I'd like to apologize this week for some audio difficulties during the recording of the sermon, but in spite of that, I hope you are able to enjoy it. So first up this week, we hear from our rector, Father Ed Kelleher, with a sermon for Sunday, October 4th, 2020, entitled, Your Past is Not a Life Sentence. To the glory of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. For a few weeks in a row now, we've heard from the epistle to the Philippians by the Apostle Paul, and you're going to hear from that next week as well, and the epistle is filled with things that are practical in spirit and practical in the way we live our lives. Uh, Paul last week gave us a lesson on how to treat everyone better than ourselves, to treat people preciously, not just equally, but as Jesus did for us, treating one another preciously. And that's a means for us to achieve the Christian life, to be a disciple of our Lord. This week, Paul has another practical part for us, a part that comes at the end of the reading of the uh, Philippians. Let me pull out my version of it here and get to the right page. Here it is. And what he writes is this. He's talking about how he wants to give up his past, all the wonderful accomplishments he had, all the trophies he won, the merits that he had, everything he did that brought him honor and glory in the eyes of humans. He wants to give that up. And he also lists among his resume, among his items of his curricula vitae, the things that he did negatively in some ways. When he talks about persecuting Christians, I'm sure that weighed heavily on Paul and he had many regrets about persecuting God's people. But what he writes at the end of the passage today is the absolute takeaway for you and me. It's the piece that if we can get this into our lives from Sunday into Monday morning and beyond, we could do things well. He says, this one thing I do, And when the Apostle Paul is saying this one thing, you better write it down, because one thing to Paul is a big thing to all of us. This one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, this one thing I do is to forget what happened in my past, forget the good of my past, the awards I got, all the achievements, the accomplishments, and also forget everything bad in the past, my sins, the negative things I do, I did that make me feel guilt and shame, because those things are going to prevent me from the ultimate all-surpassing prize of knowing Christ, having him in my heart, suffering for him as he suffered for me, living in glory with him as he lives in glory, and having eternal life. Now that's a big lesson. This one thing I do is to figure out how to get all that, how to get Christ. And the way to gain Christ is to lose my past and put that behind me. Uh, Many people I see come to me in my office, like you meet friends, I'm sure, yourself. And one time, a couple of years back, one fellow said to me, I just hope that someday I can meet someone who won't care about my ugly past, but will want to walk with me into my future so we may be together. Well, I have good news for that fellow, and for you and for me, Paul tells us who that person is today. It's Jesus. 
He doesn't care about your past. He's wiped it out. He's forgotten your sins as far as they are, as far as the East is from the West. He's thrown them into a sea of forgetfulness. And he wants to go forward. He doesn't care about your past. He only cares about your future and the glory you can live in with him and freed and liberated from everything you've known otherwise. He says that we have to forget our past. And I think the reason is this. If you want Jesus to be the master of your future, you have to let go of being a slave of your past. If you're a slave to the things that have happened to you for the good or the bad in your past, you can never have him as your Lord going into the future. You're going to live and die by the regrets you have from 20 years ago. You're going to keep thinking fallaciously that what you did and accomplished and what you earned is somehow the measure and merit and identity of your life, and it has none of those things on you. It's not your measure. It's not your merit. It's not your identity. The measure and your merit in your life are Jesus Christ crucified. And he risen from the dead and you embracing him in your heart, there is the merit of your life and the measure of your life that you've brought yourself to and surrendered to Jesus so that you can have this richness of person. And your identity is to be his disciple, a child of God, forgiven and freed of everything of this world. And Paul is telling us that acutely. This one thing, he remembers, this one thing that he wants to say is about that because he knows how it trips us up. It's two senses, two senses of the past, two senses of forgetting, that negative sense that I talked to you about where we forget our past sins, our past shame, our past guilt, our past failures, our past regrets, our past mistakes, decisions, flaws, bad decisions in the past, just way over me as they weigh over you, I'm sure, our past suffering for maybe abuse or being belittled or being mistreated by others, all these things are wrapped up in our past, and the evil one, the devil, is whispering in my ear and your ear saying, that's who you are. You're worthless. You're nothing. You're dirty. You're, you're going to hell. Why even try? And he's whispering these lies into your ear. And the reason I say they're lies is because the truth of God is found in Jesus Christ, and Jesus says that I am saved. He says that he has forgiven me, that he loves me, and that he died once for me, that I will live forever, and I believe that. I believe with every fiber and sinew of my being. Then there's the other side of forgetfulness, the side that isn't all the sin and shame and guilt and all, but what we call the positive side in a worldly sense. It's our past or even current success and wealth. We think that's who we are. We depend on that. We need to set it aside and forget it. Our past luxury, comfort, sensuality, popularity, our, our sense of perfection, thinking we got it right, our sense of security, and whatever it is you find your security in, if it's anything other than your Lord. If it's your money, your standing, your title, whatever, it's going to bring you down. You need to forget it. Our sense of position, our sense of power and control. All these achievements, all these things are delusions. They are things that make us think we're okay when we're not. And we need to forget them too. We have to forget the good and the bad. And it comes into a practical dynamic. It's not like I'm just saying forget them and send you on your way with a pat on the back. There is a practical way to do it. What are the things we need to do tomorrow morning on Monday to begin living this? We need to give up our bitterness, our resentment, and the grudges we have for the past. The past that's rooted in resentment, bitterness, and grudges is killing us like a cancer inside. It has to be given. We have to give it up. We have to forgive. We have to allow that people can change from their pasts. 
We may be so rooted in the past about who people are and what they did that we don't allow for the possibility that the Holy Spirit is transforming them as well and that we should honor that and go with that. God makes things new. People as well. Surrender my old need to mock people for their past. A sense of false superiority where I talk about, oh, that one over there, you know what that guy did? And I mock him and laugh. And that's horrible. I've done that in my life. You've done that in your life. We need not to do that ever. It's not of the Lord. It's, it's evil. It's not of the fruits of the Spirit. To surrender my judgment of nations and races based on past events. Oh, I'm, I hate the French. You hear somebody say, I don't like the Chinese. Or Stop that. Stop it completely. Your sense of hatred for white people, your sense of hatred for black people, your sense of hatred for Asians or Jewish people, whatever it is, stop doing that. Let go of this past behavior and this rooted habit of doing those things and stop beating yourself up about them as well so that you can walk in the light of God. Surrender your past fears. All these things that you've been scared about since childhood, since young adulthood, whatever it is, Surrender them to the Lord. It's natural to be afraid. We're afraid of things. But love conquers all fear. And when we come to God, we set those behind us. Surrender your indictments and your demonizing of other people because of your disagreements with them. You can't have a disagreement with somebody and equate that with liking or hate. If you like me, you will agree with me, says the world. And that's nonsense. We can disagree in good faith, honorably and virtuously, and not be in a position where we demonize the other person because they don't agree with us. And we've been doing that in our past, and we're still doing that now. We say things to people like, you always blank, 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 or you never blank, blank, blank. We say things like that. That guy over there, he's worthless. That woman over there, she doesn't know anything. And we base these things in our experiences or relationships or hurts or angers from the past, and they're evil. In 1 Peter, Peter writes this, Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Be like newborn babies. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Be like newborn babies, new, dropping what's old. We're starting fresh. It's a whole new game in Jesus Christ. Taking on the Lord, we move forward in Jesus, and it's new. Uh, Clara Barton uh, was the founder of the American Red Cross. We all know the name Clara Barton, I suppose. She has some local lore, especially in Cabin John, where her home was. And I read a story where a friend, where a friend of Clara Barton said to her something about reminding her about something horrible, vicious, and evil that a person had done to Clara years and years before, decades before. And Clara said, I don't remember that. I, I just don't remember it. And the friend said, you don't remember it? How in the world could you not remember it? You don't remember what that person did? And Clara said, no, I don't. But I can tell you, I distinctly remember the day that I forgot it. <laughs> and in that, we learn the lesson about taking our past and dealing with it. We learn a lesson about how Paul is speaking about forgetting here because he's not talking about memory erasure. That's not what this is. He's not saying, erase your memory like you're some kind of a computer. Just bleach it out, bleach your mind and get rid of it. We never forget what happens. It's not that we remember these things physically and mentally, but it means something different. It means something where we're not being controlled, uh, mastered, or dominated by that memory. Um, I saw a baseball game just past week, and in the baseball game there was a crucial event, like around the ninth inning, and this team was trying to win. And the pitcher threw the ball, and a guy hit a tremendous home run. 
You think, there it goes. They're on a roll now. This other team's going to catch up and beat the pitcher and his team. And I waited for the pitcher to be rattled, and the camera zoomed in on his face. I said, he's going to get shaken. He's going to fall apart and unravel right here. He didn't. Instead, he stood there stiffly and, and assuredly and in security, struck out the next two batters, and won the game. Now, what does this mean? What did he do? He tried to say that his past and that bad experience with that batter who hit the home run was not going to control and dominate what was to come. You're, you can't change your past, but you can change the impact, the meaning, and the force that the past has upon you by coming to God in Christ and working with it, by shaking it off and saying, I'm not going to let that affect my identity. I'm not going to let that affect the way I perform as a disciple of God and live in virtue, just like that pitcher was not allowed, uh, going to allow a baseball home run to change who he was. He remembered who he was, and he won the game. And we do much the same. It's important. Um, incidentally, if you're a history teacher, you're allowed to dwell on the past all you want. If you're a history teacher, you can dwell on the past. I get that. But for everyone else, if your past is calling you, don't answer the phone because it has nothing new to say. Your past is just going to indict you and condemn you or give you false senses of security and achievement by the things you have done. Warren Wearsby, a, a Christian writer, is talking about how it's okay to look back on your past for, as a lesson but not as a life sentence. It's not a sentencing when we look back at our past, but we learn from it. Paul is saying here, he's remembering his past for the lessons it teaches him, but he's not looking at it as the who he is. Wearsby wrote, do not say, why were the former days better than these days? Don't say that. You do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rearview mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you. It is not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. And that's important. I know from the past not to go left, right, middle, whatever. I know my mistakes of the past. Again, it's that rudder that Wearsby's talking about. It sends me in the way. It's what Paul is talking about, that from his past, he learned better how to walk with Christ. But it's not my anchor. And for too many people, it's a thing that anchors us and drags us down and makes us miserable in the way we live. Regrets from the past will hang you up. Um, in 1999, country music star George Jones had a very bad automobile accident and nearly died. It, it almost took his life. It was horrible. Uh, he's a man who was drinking heavily throughout his adult life, and in fact, he was drinking behind the wheel when he got hurt that day. After he recovered, he changed his ways and lived a good life thereafter, but he wrote a song about what happened, and it's about his regrets. And the, the key, the hook to the song, the chorus says, I'm living and dying with the choices I made. Talking about things of the past and lessons learned. And he says, I had choices since the day I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, I would not be in this mess today. I'm living and dying with the choices I made. The point of Paul's teaching is that we are to take our regrets and make them our lessons, not to make them our identity or our bearing. And George Jones picks up on that as well. The best thing we can learn, your past is not who you are. Philippians 3, once more, our key line from Paul. He says, beloved, he calls us beloved because he wants us to get good advice. I do not consider that I have made all these things my own, but this one thing I do, underscore one thing. I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on to the all-surpassing goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. That's good news. You don't have to live anymore the way you've been living. There is newness in Christ that is worth everything for the good and the bad in your past. Thank you, Paul, for a great lesson. Amen. And now, a children's homily from Father Matthew Kozlowski. Well, hi. Father Matthew here with a children's homily for you today. And I'm in my house. Actually, a special place in my house. This is the spot where I say my prayers in the morning. Today's topic is the power of prayer, something I know a lot of people are interested in. The Bible talks about prayer all the time. Jesus prayed all the time. In Psalm 61, it says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. And that's one of the main things that the Bible says about prayer is that God always hears our prayer. Well, how does God answer prayer? That's the question I think a lot of people are interested in. And I have a story about that. Here's a hint about the story. What's this? Turtle, right? Actually, here's another turtle. This one was handmade by Maria. Oh, well, here's the story. When I was a boy, I was riding in the back seat of my car, my mom and dad in front, and we were going to church. And at that day at church, it was going to be the blessing of the animals day. And I was in the back seat complaining because we didn't have a pet. I was saying, oh, I wish we had a dog. I wish we had a cat. I wish we had something we could bring to blessing of the animals, but we don't even have a pet. Just then, my dad stopped the car because there was something in the middle of the road. We all got out, and there, right on the yellow line in the middle of the street, there was, can you guess? A turtle. Just like this. Well, not like this. This is a sea turtle. It was a land turtle. And we picked it up and looked at it, and I said, well, I guess this is my pet. We brought it to church. We had it blessed at the blessing of the animals. And I thought about keeping it as a pet, but then we decided to let it go into the woods instead. Well, I've always thought about that story in terms of God answering prayer, because there I was in the backseat complaining. It wasn't even that good of a prayer. And yet God answered that prayer right away. I am sure that somehow, some way, God caused that turtle to show up right on that street, right at that time, right in front of our car. Well, sometimes God does answer prayers right away. Sometimes it takes much longer, or sometimes the answer to our prayer is no, or wait, or not yet. And sometimes our prayers are answered in completely unexpected ways. Actually, that sort of happened in the story. I was talking about a dog or a cat. I wasn't even thinking about something like a turtle, and yet there it was. Well, here's what I believe about the power of prayer. I believe that when we pray, we open up new ways for God to work in the world. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes the world. Now, careful, because prayer does not change God. God can't change because God is God. And prayer doesn't change God's mind. That's not how it works. 
But prayer does change the world because God can release new and different blessings because of our prayers. Isn't that interesting? So I pray that you would say your prayers and believe in the power of prayer to change you, to change the world, to open up new ways for God to work. God might not deliver and answer your prayers right away. Or like I said, the answer might be no or not yet or wait. But God is always hearing our prayers. And the power of prayer is real. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints podcast. To download future episodes automatically, you can subscribe and have the episodes delivered to you each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. And if you've liked the podcast so far, we would really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to give us a rating. As we continue to take steps towards being back together, please be safe, stay well, and God bless.